0: My name is Jamon McKinney, or you can of course just call me Juice because that is my nickname. Welcome everyone to the Juice Alert episode number 55 for you ladies and gentlemen today. If you have not subscribed to the Juice Alert already, be sure to do that right about now. You will not regret it. You can of course find this show right here on YouTube as well as podcasting platforms. That includes Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all that great stuff. You can also follow me on social media. My Instagram is G-H-I-M-A-N underscore M-C-K-I-N-N-E-Y. And my Twitter account is at G-H-I-M-A-N M-C-K-I-N-N-E-Y. Once again, that's at G-H-I-M-A-N M-C-K-I-N-N-E-Y. I wanted to repeat that because... That kind of rolled off my tongue a little weird right there. be either way, um, a great show liner for you guys today. We're going to talk about Russell Westbrook getting traded to the Los Angeles Lakers, along with Carmelo Anthony. Aaron Rodgers is officially back after all the crazy saga and rumors that went down during this offseason. Aaron Rodgers it looks like he's going to play this season. We'll talk about if the Packers have fixed their issues regarding Aaron Rodgers. We'll also, we'll also talk about Kate Cunningham. And the Detroit Pistons, Ben Simmons, a lot of great things to talk about. But before I do dive into the show, I just wanted to say, I almost forgot. If you want to get specific updates regarding the Juice Alert, you can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram as well. The Twitter account is at the Juice Alert and the Instagram account is the Juice Alert underscore. Like I said, you guys can connect with me on social media, chat with me there. Love to hear what you guys have to say about the show and Basically, your overall sports opinions. But without further ado, let's dive right into the show. I want to kick things off here today by talking about Carson Wentz and the Indianapolis Colts. So as you all know, recently, the Indianapolis Colts, presumably starting quarterback, Carson Wentz, was injured recently. And Carson Wentz is now out for roughly 5 to 12 weeks. He just recently had foot surgery. There was a piece of his bone that came loose in his left foot. So he, he, he just recently had foot surgery. It's a very serious injury. Like I said, he's out roughly 5 to 12 weeks. And I think that's kind of being generous on the Colts side of things. I really don't think Carson Wentz is going to return this season up until the later stages of the season. In fact, if the Colts are out of playoff contention by the time Carson Wentz is even clear to play, I honestly could see them just shutting him down for the entire season because there's no point in playing Carson Wentz coming off an injury when you're not in playoff contention. You know what I'm saying? Really no point, you know. Let's see what the other quarterbacks have on that roster, you know. But there seems to be now a trend with Carson Wentz where some Eagles fans and some Carson Wentz troopers a couple of years ago Want to deny the fact that he was injury prone. Well, the cat out the bag, people. And again, I take no pleasure in saying this because I don't want Carson Wentz to go out there and get injured. I don't want any player to go out there and get injured. I want all players to have a fair chance to go out there and compete. Getting hurt sucks. Okay? You know, and, but here's the reality. Carson Wentz is injury-prone. That's been proven. In 2016, his rookie season, he had multiple nagging injuries at the end of the year. In 2017, which was his best season as a pro, he tore his ACL and couldn't finish the season, and the Eagles went on to win the Super Bowl without Carson Wentz that season. 2018, he comes back. He gets shut down towards the end of the season because of a serious back injury. And in 2019, he actually plays the full 16-game season. But in the playoffs... He, get, he suffers a concussion versus the Seattle Seahawks, a game in which the Eagles obviously ended up losing because, well, Carson Wentz wasn't available to play. Maybe they win that game if he plays. We don't know. 2020 this past year, I will say, I got to give him some credit. He did stay healthy for the, for the season when he was playing. And now we're at a point where he's got to have foot surgery. So we're at a point where Carson Wentz, four out of the six seasons that he's been in the National Football League, he's had serious injuries. Now, I could see the Indianapolis Colts maybe potentially trading for a guy like Nick Foles, who really is probably not going to get much playing time this year in Chicago due to Andy Dalton and Justin Fields being on the Chicago Bears roster. Um, Phillip Rivers has kind of come out and said that he might come out of retirement. The Colts had him as their quarterback last year. Maybe he comes back. I doubt it, though. Maybe the Colts could look to acquire Jimmy Garoppolo, although I don't think it's necessary to acquire those guys because. I I truly want to see what Jacob Eason and Sam Ellinger has in them this year. Now, that might be a hot take for for some of you Colts fans. And you might say, I, wanna, I want our team to go all in to try and win a Super Bowl. I got news for you, people. Nick Foles, Jimmy Garoppolo, Phillip Rivers, they're not winning this team a Super Bowl. And why would you trade some unnecessary assets and affect your salary cap if you know you're probably not going to win a Super Bowl? And you have two quarterbacks on the roster that you drafted in Sam Ellinger and Jacob Eason. I want to see what those guys have, okay? It was actually not too long ago. The Colts won games a year ago with Jacoby Brissett when Andrew Luck was retired. When Andrew Luck all of a sudden out of nowhere retired, okay? So I don't think the Colts should make a move at quarterback now. I feel so bad for Carson Wentz because we all thought he was going to get a fresh start. And he was already pretty much on thin ice. And listen, here's the reality about Carson Wentz. Whether it's fair or not, if Carson Wentz does not perform at a high level once he steps on the field with Indianapolis, I think that his days as potentially being the leader of a franchise, as a longtime franchise quarterback, those days might be numbered. Because here's the reality, people. No one is going to want an injury-prone injury prone inconsistent quarterback that can't win big games. In fact, Carson Wentz has never even had back-to-back winning seasons, okay? So I think that this really is a huge bad break. This is not good for Carson Wentz. His future with the Indianapolis Colts is definitely up in the air, and his future potentially as a legitimate starting franchise quarterback for a team where that team is going to potentially put their trust in him to be the guy for the next five to ten years. I think that trust might be out the window as early as maybe next year. That's pretty much cra- that's pretty crazy considering the fact that the Colts just traded for Carson Wentz, but that's a possibility. Now, the good news for the Colts is they have a chance to tread water until Carson Wentz comes back because the Colts, if you look at their roster, they have a great offensive line. Even though Quentin Nelson is hurt, that's another huge blow for the Colts. They've just had injuries pile up to them up to this point. They may be the 49ers from last year, where San Francisco, they just had injury after injury after injury, you know, and, it, and all those injuries caught up to them caught up to them and they missed the playoffs. That could be the Colts this year. But you look at the Colts, they have a good offensive line, they have a really good running game led by Jonathan Taylor and two other really good running backs. They have a pretty solid defense, and I believe in Frank Wright and that coaching staff. I think Frank Wright, as the head coach, is pretty underrated. So, I think the Colts have a chance, like I said, to tread water until Carson Wentz comes back, potentially. But here's the thing. The problem for the Colts is the first eight weeks of their schedule are absolutely brutal. And I felt it was going to be tough for the Colts to make it into the playoffs, even with Carson Wentz as their starting quarterback. And again, I got nothing against Jacob Eason and Sam Ellinger, but or or Nick Foles or whoever the Colts may try to bring in. But it's gonna be hard to make the playoffs this season for Indianapolis. Uh, because here's the thing: the first eight weeks of their schedule for the 2021 season, it's absolutely brutal. Like I said, you have to play Seattle. The Rams, you're at Tennessee, at Miami, at Baltimore. You get the Houston Texans, which is probably a gimme win, you know. And then you play at the 49ers, and then the Titans again. When you look at Seattle, the Rams, the Titans, the Dolphins, the Ravens, and the 49ers, I could see all of those teams potentially making it into the playoffs. Okay, the first eight weeks of that schedule is brutal. And not to mention, the Colts also have to play against Buffalo and Tampa Bay and New England and Arizona later on in the season. So I don't think the Colts are going to make the playoffs this year. The schedule is way too brutal. I do believe they are by far and away the second best team in this division. If you had a healthy Carson Wentz, the gap between Tennessee and the Colts wouldn't be all that wide, but I did think think Tennessee... Had the advantage coming into the year, even if Carson Wentz was healthy. But yeah, I think the Colts' season is really starting to get, starting to be kind of almost over right before our own eyes, and that's the reality of the NFL. Sometimes, you know, sometimes you you just have a couple of bad breaks in training camp. The injuries start to pile up, and you know, by week four or five, you realize this 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 time around we're probably not a playoff team. So unlucky break for Chris Ballard. And the Indianapolis Colts, I feel so bad for Carson Wentz because I was truly rooting for him to turn his career back on track with the Colts. He was on a pretty good pace to potentially be a great franchise quarterback with the Eagles. If you look at his performance in 2017, when if he was healthy for the entire season, he was going to win the league MVP, but he has not gotten close to that level ever since. He's had some injuries. He's had some inconsistent play. Hopefully, People thought that he would have a fresh start with the Indianapolis Colts. He really played awful last year in Philadelphia. So people thought that with a better coaching staff, better roster, maybe a fresh start for Carson Wentz. But unfortunately, a bad break for him, man. That's how I feel about Carson Wentz and the Colts. Okay, I want to quickly circle back to Carson Wentz because it is now time to have a very honest and uncomfortable conversation about Carson Wentz. Here's the reality of Carson Wentz right now as we speak today, heading into the 2021 season. And really from this point going forward, you know, two years ago, roughly about two years ago, after the 2019 season, when Carson Wentz put the Eagles on his back and led them to the playoffs. And by the way, he was very good that season. But a lot of people, you know, kind of annoyed at Carson Wentz. And they said, oh, Carson Wentz, really talented quarterback. He might be an elite quarterback. I had several people even come on my show that I have collaborated with and talked with on the show that I'm good friends with that even came out and said after that season, they believe that Carson Wentz deserved to be in the conversation for being an elite quarterback. And a lot of Eagles fans actually felt that way, too. And at that time, I just wasn't understanding Where all this, all of a sudden, all this praise was coming from. I felt people were being prisoners of the moment. You're telling me Carson Wentz is an elite quarterback when he's never had back to back winning seasons, when he's never won a playoff game. Can we at least just set the golden rule right here on this show when evaluating quarterbacks? If you've never won a playoff game and if you've never had back to back winning seasons, you are not an elite quarterback. I'm sorry. You're just not. Okay. Being an elite quarterback. Is earned with sustained success, having great moments when it matters most in the playoffs, and obviously playing at a high level in the regular season, okay? And people were being prisoners of the moment with Carson Wentz. And I was telling them Carson Wentz is a little injury prone. He's inconsistent at times, and can we at least see him have a back to back winning season before we anoint the guy? Here's the reality of Carson Wentz. Right now, today, It is more than fair to say, we have more than enough evidence to support this argument, Carson Wentz is not a franchise quarterback. He's just not. Okay? Carson Wentz has had one great season, and in that one great season, he didn't finish the full season because he got hurt. And his backup quarterback ended up leading his team to the Super Bowl without him. Carson Wentz has never had back-to-back winning seasons. He's often injury prone. And right now today, I'm not even sure if Carson Wentz is better than Jared Goff. And you might think to yourself, Jared Goff? Are you crazy? The Los Angeles Rams just moved on from Jared Goff. Here's the facts about Carson Wentz and Jared Goff through five seasons. Remember Jared Goff, the same guy that was drafted in the same draft class as Carson Wentz. Jared Goff went number one overall. Carson Wentz went number two overall. Jared Goff today, for all the struggles he's had with the Rams, Right now, today, compared to Carson Wentz, through five seasons, he has a better completion percentage, a better passer rating, more yards per game, has a better winning percentage, has won more playoff games, has been to a Super Bowl, and oh yeah, he's actually had back-to-back winning seasons. Something Carson Wentz has not had yet up to this point. And... Let's just throw out Jared Goff because I know some of you are going to come at me and say, Carson Wentz is way more talented than Jared Goff. It's not crazy to think that Carson Wentz went at his best. He's better than Jared Goff, okay? But in comparison to, I don't know, quarterbacks like Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, it's not even close. Those guys... Are much much better than Carson Wentz, and I argue that Justin Herbert is much better than Carson Wentz right now today. If Justin Herbert and Carson Wentz were on the same roster, who do you believe is going to start? My money is on Justin Herbert. Kyler Murray. Let's look at him. Who do you think is going to start right now between Kyler Murray and Carson Wentz? My money is on Kyler Murray. Between Matthew Stafford and Carson Wentz, right now today, who do you believe is going to start? I think Matthew Stafford would start over Carson Wentz right now today, and not to mention guys like Joe Burrow, Baker Mayfield, Dak Prescott, Matt Ryan, even Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence. Right now, I'd rather have those guys than Carson Wentz, okay, because Carson Wentz is just way too inconsistent. Even You even look at a guy like Ben Roethlisberger. Ben Roethlisberger had an excellent season last year, had no run game, had a bunch of young wide receivers. Not a great offensive line, and Ben Rosberger won 12 games and led the Pittsburgh Steelers to the playoffs. He had one of his most efficient seasons ever, and that was considered a down year for Ben Rosberger. Ben Rosberger has been to multiple Super Bowls, has won multiple Super Bowls. I'd take Ben Rosberger over Carson Wentz in a heartbeat right now, okay? So at some point, people, look, I just named you roughly 17 quarterbacks that right now today I would either take over Carson Wentz or I would defend defend we say that guys better than Carson Wentz. At some point when you get to the 17, 18, 19 to 20 range, that's where you got to draw the line. All 32 starting quarterbacks in the NFL right now are not long-term franchise quarterbacks. And the biggest reason why Carson Wentz is not a long-term franchise quarterback is because he's way too inconsistent and he's not reliable enough. I'm sorry, but the best ability is availability. And Carson Wentz, over the past you know, five to six seasons, at times he's not been available to play because he hasn't been 100%, and he's always been banged up. Do you really want to invest the next 10 years of your franchise's future at the quarterback position? Do you want to invest that in Carson? Do you want to invest that in the hands of Carson Wentz? I personally don't. I would will, I will want no part of it. So, I think the reality is this. I think Carson Wentz has officially peaked. I think right now, today, he's more overrated than underrated, and that's the harsh reality about Carson Wentz. You know, he showed some promise early in his career in Philadelphia, obviously regressed over time. Some of that had to do with the front office not supporting him with great talent at the wide receiver position. The offensive line was in shambles a little bit, but at some point... Carson Wentz getting hurt, you know, that's just a trend, you know. He's a little fragile. And if Carson Wentz doesn't perform at Indianapolis – I think his days of being a starting quarterback or a leader of a franchise could be over. I really do firmly believe that. I hope I'm wrong. But right now, today, there are too many good young quarterbacks. There are some quarterbacks I didn't even mention. Right now, that are probably better than Carson Wentz or that I would rather have than Carson Wentz. And I'm sorry, but once you get to the 17th, 18th, 19th, 20th best quarterback, you got to draw the line at some point. Okay? So Carson Wentz is not a franchise quarterback for all the reasons I mentioned. I believe he's peaked, and it's honestly sad because I was rooting for him, but that's the harsh reality. So, Aaron Rodgers is back with the Green Bay Packers after a whole offseason of speculations about him potentially being traded, him potentially retiring, him potentially holding out. There were reports about him being very frustrated with the Green Bay Packers organization, particularly the general manager and the president, Uh, Mark Murphy, the general manager's Brian Goodicus, the president's Mark Murphy. You get the point either way. But there seems to be some mutual agreement between Aaron Rodgers and the Packers that I'm that Aaron Rodgers is going to come back and play out the 2021 season. He's back at training camp; seems ready to go. His teammates seem pretty hyped about it. And Aaron Rodgers recently came out with a big time press conference, expressed truly his biggest problems with the Packers organization. He was very authentic, very open, you know, very smart in that press conference. He really put together a good press conference. Aaron Rodgers is really good o- on the mic. You know, he's really good at speaking to the people, giving them the quotes that they want to hear. And there's also reports that Aaron Rodgers reportedly has been communicating with Brian Gutekus and Mark Murphy. So, look, there's something to be said for the Packers you know, for right now, kind of patching up this whole Aaron Rodgers situation, you know, putting a band-aid on it and potentially fixing, fixing the situation. Aaron Rodgers also recently, you know, got a new contract. Now, he's not guaranteed to be, to be the Packers starting quarterback after the 2021 season. There are actual reports out there that have, that potentially Aaron Rodgers could get traded after this year. So I'm not sure about that or what's going on there, but the Packers also did trade for Randall Cobb. Who was a former Green Bay Packer that Aaron Rodgers, you know, is good buddies with, who's familiar with them. Some of Aaron Rodgers' best highlight plays have been him throwing to Randall Cobb in the past. So I do think that was a great trade for the Packers. They've improved their wide receiver core. I think that they actually had a very good draft this past year. But the question is, have the Packers solved all their issues with Aaron Rodgers? And I gotta say, I'm not drinking the Kool-Aid right now. I'm not ready to jump on the bandwagon regarding if the Packers have fixed all of their problems regarding Aaron Rodgers. I'm not willing to admit that the Packers have fixed this Aaron Rodgers situation. Now, it's good that Aaron Rodgers mutually agreed to come back and play this year. I'm very excited. The NFL is always much, much better when Aaron Rodgers is playing at a high level. He's great for TV purposes. He's very entertaining to watch. And the Packers have a chance to win the Super Bowl. I think they have a pretty decent team. But... I just can't ignore all the smoke screens that went on this past offseason and all the smoke screens and crazy reports that have gone on over the past couple of years. I need to see these things continue over a long period of time with Green Bay regarding Aaron Rodgers. Reports are that Aaron Rodgers and the Packers are communicating with one another. Hey, that's great. But this needs to continue. You know, they need to continue to keep Aaron Rodgers in the loop regarding player personnel. I want to see Green Bay continue to be a little bit more aggressive and maybe trade for some marquee players over the next couple of years, you know, because I think that a big downfall for the Packers is they're just not aggressive enough in free agency. That's always been my biggest criticism regarding Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, mainly the Packers organization because Aaron Rodgers has nothing to do with this, but at some point, I just felt that Green Bay needed to adapt and be more aggressive and go after more free agents, acquire more players via trade, you know. And here's the thing. What if this team starts to lose during the regular season? Does more Aaron Rodgers smoke screens come out, you know, things like that? Do the Packers come to the conclusion that, hey, maybe we need to start, you know, Looking towards the future with Jordan Love. You know, what if the Packers don't win a Super Bowl this year? Because honestly, I think the only way Aaron Rodgers really 100% secures his spot as a Green Bay Packer for the next couple of years is if he wins a Super Bowl. Now, again, could he, you know, win a playoff game and lose in the divisional round and have a great season and still come back and be a Green Bay Packer? I think that's possible. But at the same time, it still leaves a lot of things on the table because here's the thing. Jordan Love is still on the roster and we're going to have preseason games this year to evaluate Jordan Love. What if Jordan Love kills it in the preseason games and the Packers disappoint the playoffs? Green Bay right then and there could say, Hey, you know, we're going to rip the bandaid off. Jordan Love's on a rookie contract. We believe in the guy Bye, Aaron. You know, it was a great 13 to 14 year run with you, you know, as a starting quarterback. And, but also you could, but also you could look at it from this perspective. I truly believe that Aaron Rodgers is not threatened by Jordan Love because if he was threatened by Jordan Love, I don't think all these smoke screens would have been coming out this year. I think Aaron Rodgers would have been at these little mini camps and OTAs and things like that from the jump because if he knew Jordan Love was the real deal, he'd probably be showing, he probably wouldn't have made things tough on Green Bay because if he felt that Jordan Love was the guy, he'd be on his P's and Q's and he'd, not allow Jordan Love any opportunity to impress the coaching staff. So I could see a situation where, you know, Green Bay, they just bail on Jordan Love and say, Hey, we whiffed. It was a mistake, which I believe it was to draft Jordan Love. I felt that at the time, Green Bay should have gone all in to try to add to the roster to compete for a Super Bowl rather than preparing for the future. Because I felt Aaron Rodgers has several great years left. and, And quite frankly, I think I'm going to be proven right. So, there's a lot of unknowns with Green Bay. It's a really weird situation still up to this point. I just think that the relationship between Aaron Rodgers and the Packers is good for now. But you've seen in the past, you know, you've all, you, you guys probably have always have had, a, you guys have probably had a friend in the past where one minute they were fighting with their girlfriend, then the next minute it's all good and dandy for the next couple of months. Then something comes up, they blow it, they're back to their old ways, and then. It's over, you know, so I don't know how this Aaron Rodgers situation is going to pan out. I think there's a lot of pressure on Aaron Rodgers to potentially win a Super Bowl this year or at least make another deep playoff run if he wants to stay in Green Bay because if Aaron Rodgers wins another league MVP or wins another Super Bowl with the Packers, there's just no way on earth you can move on from that guy immediately. So I'm interested to see how the situation Plays out in Green Bay, but I'm not willing to jump on the bandwagon that, oh, Green Bay's organization, they fixed their problems. They're a well run organization. And I don't think Green Bay is necessarily a dysfunctional organization, but I still think there are some flaws to how they do business and things like that. Now, again, I do like the fact that they went out and got Randall Cobb and that they've been communicating with Aaron Rodgers. That's great, but I want to see more of that. And I'm just not willing to admit that the Packers have completely solved all their issues with Aaron Rodgers because. Well, there's still a lot of unknowns. So that's that's how I'll leave that topic right there. So I want to now transition to some NBA talk, you know. Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook recently was traded away from the Washington Wizards, and now he is a member of the Los Angeles Lakers. The Washington Wizards agreed to trade. Russell Westbrook and second round picks in the 2024 and 2028 NBA draft to the Lakers for Kyle Kuzma, Contavious Caldwell Pope, Montrezl Harrell, and the number 22 overall pick, which has since turned into Isaiah, J- Isaiah Jackson, who was recently traded to the, traded to the Pacers on draft night. Now, I really don't care that much about the Wizards. They're just tearing things down. I kind of feel bad for Bradley Beal because he's voluntarily said he wants to stay in Washington. And while they could sneak into the playoffs next year, I'm just not confident that guys like Kyle Kuzma, Montres, Harrell, guys like that, Contavious Caldwell, Pope, I'm not confident that these guys are high-end players. They recently added Spencer Yeah, He's a nice player, but I don't think Washington is going to be in the championship picture anytime soon. I want to focus in on the Lakers. Now, there's a lot of directions this Russell Westbrook, you know, trade could go. You know, it could be really good for the Lakers, or it could end up being really bad for the Lakers. However, my gut tells me that this is a great trade for the Los Angeles Lakers. Okay, the Los Angeles Lakers now have LeBron James, who's still an elite player. Okay, despite his older age. I still have Anthony Davis, who's one of the best big men in the game right now. And I have Russell Westbrook. That's three all-star level plus players at your disposal. And anytime you usually have three all-star level players, and not just regular all-stars like a Chris Middleton, I'm talking about guys that could potentially be in the MVP conversation. I can see LeBron James still being in the MVP conversation. Same thing with Anthony Davis. Russell Westbrook has, has won a league MVP in the past, has won a scoring title in the past. He's been one of the best point guards in the NBA over the past couple of years. If you usually have three of those guys on your roster, history shows you usually win a championship. You look at the Golden State Warriors when they had Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green. They won a championship. The Miami Heat, LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, they won multiple championships. The Boston Celtics, Ray Allen, Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, they won a championship. So... I really think the Los Angeles Lakers have a lot of star power, and a lot of people felt the Lakers should have went after Buddy Heald because they felt Buddy Heald was a really good shooter and that he might have been a better fit than Russell Westbrook. Now, again, let me just say this. I think Buddy Heald is an excellent player. He's very underrated, and so far he's had a really good career up to this point. He can get you 20 points on any given night, no doubt about it. But usually... History shows that the talent will figure itself out. I'm more about acquiring talent rather than looking at what fits in the NBA. Because a lot of people talked about when the Brooklyn Nets traded for James Harden. Oh, there's only one basketball. James Harden, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, not going to work. If it were not for injuries, you can make the argument the Brooklyn Nets would have won the championship this past year in 2021. It worked. The talent was just so overwhelmingly good that it didn't matter about lack of chemistry. It didn't matter at times about lack of defense. It just worked. Okay. And the thing about Buddy Heald is this he's never even played in a single playoff game. LeBron James, the clock is ticking on his career. Okay. I believe he's going to be in his 19th season this year, 18th or 19th season. The bottom line is LeBron James is at the very tail end of his prime. He's at max going to play probably another three to five seasons. That's my guess. Okay. So you don't have time to waste. You need proven commodities on your team. And while Russell Westbrook has had his share of very, very, very low lights in the playoffs, he's played in the NBA finals before. He's played along superstar level players like Kevin Durant, like Paul George, like Carmelo Anthony in the past. So I think it was a good move for the Lakers. And we also saw this past year, some guys just aren't made for the moment. Like the Brooklyn Nets, they found out really quickly that Joe Harris, at least up to this point, he might be a guy that struggles in big games. We'll see if he can rebound next year. But that's the that's the risk you run with acquiring a guy like Buddy Hill over Russell Westbrook. You just never know what they're going to do when, when the lights shine brightest in the playoffs. And even if this move doesn't work out for the Lakers, I think it's a move that you need to make, you know? Teams that take big swings and go after star-level players, those are the teams that are winning in today's sport. You look at the Los Angeles Dodgers. They're making trade after trade. They won a World Series immediately. The Golden State Warriors, they went after Kevin Durant. They won a championship immediately. The Nets, they go after James Harden this past year. They were really good immediately, okay? You need to take big swings. Teams like the Boston Celtics and the Portland Trailblazers, those are the teams... That just sit around and do nothing and rely on their draft picks. It gets them nowhere. Eventually, you could maybe make a conference finals like the Blazers did a couple of years ago, like the Celtics did a couple of years ago. But you're not gonna win a championship, not in today's NBA. So even if this move doesn't work, as a if I was a Lakers fan, I'm not a Lakers fan. But if I was, I'm happy my organization has taken swings. Now, here's another reason why this Russell Westbrook thing can work. The Lakers outside of LeBron James right now. Have really no playmakers, and what do I mean by that? They ha- they really don't have a guy that can facilitate an offense with the ball in their hands. It's a lot of stand around guys that really can't shoot. A lot of big man. They need a another playmaker that can make plays for other guys and get other people open shots. We see when LeBron James is not able to make plays for the guys around him, the Lakers really struggle. Now you have two legitimate playmakers on this team in Russell Westbrook and LeBron James. In fact. Russell Westbrook recently led the NBA in assists this past year. So he knows how to pass the ball when he needs to. And Russell Westbrook, one thing we know about him, he does have his flaws. He's inefficient at times. He's had some low lights in the playoffs, but he's going to play hard every single night. And that matters because that allows Anthony Davis and LeBron James to potentially... Take their foot off the gas during the regular season. Let Russell Westbrook do the heavy lifting and come playoff time. They'll be fresh and hopefully ready to go. Okay, Russell Westbrook just makes things happen. You know, he's going to bring energy. And on the fast break, if you have LeBron James and Russell Westbrook on the fast break together, good luck. That's unstoppable. And from an entertainment perspective, I'm going to be watching the Lakers a lot this year because this is box office. I can't wait to see how it pans out. Now. Where are we at in Russell Westbrook's career? Russell Westbrook isn't as efficient as he used to be. He is in his 30s now. He is starting to get up there in age. But Russell Westbrook is coming off a season where he averaged 22 points per game, nearly 12 assists per game, which led the entire NBA, and 11.5 rebounds per game. He's he's averaged a triple-double. In a season over the past couple of years, which is insane. He does a lot of the dirty work. So now LeBron James, the pressure isn't always on him to be the leading assist guy, to lead the team in rebounds on some nights. Now LeBron, if Russell Westbrook sacrifices and plays his role the way he should, LeBron James can just put his head down and score the basketball and attack. And that's where LeBron is at his best when he's attacking. I don't always like the fact that LeBron tries to, you know, be passive and play like Magic Johnson. No. I need you to be aggressive, LeBron, okay? So it'll be interesting to see how this works out come playoff time with these players playing together because Russell Westbrook in the past has made some bad decisions in the most crucial moments in the playoffs. You see bad turnovers, bad shot selection. He's really struggled at times to control the tempo in big games as the point guard, and sometimes he tries to do too much. But if there's one player that can reel Russell Westbrook in and get the most out of him, especially in this at this stage in his career, it's LeBron James, okay? You know, and right now today, I'm not going to say the Lakers are the favorites to win the championship because I think the Brooklyn Nets are a special team if they're healthy. I think the Milwaukee Bucks have a chance to repeat once again. But in the Western Conference, you look at the Utah Jazz. I think the Lakers are much better than the Jazz when healthy. The talent gap is significant, okay? You look at the Los Angeles Clippers. Sure, they have talent, but Kawhi Leonard is hurt. For this upcoming season, I favor the Lakers over the Clippers just because, because well, Kawhi Leonard's not there. They're not beating a healthy Lakers team led by LeBron, Anthony Davis, and you add Russell Westbrook. The Phoenix Suns, maybe they can challenge the Lakers, but I think, I think that, honestly... If the Lakers were healthy this past year, they could have potentially beaten Phoenix in the playoffs. And you look at the Denver Nuggets. I like Michael Porter Jr. I like Jamal Murray. I like what Nicole Jokic brings to the table. But there's still a gap in talent between them and the Lakers. The Golden State Warriors, we'll see. But I think the Lakers should be the favorites to come out of the Western Conference. I really do believe that. So with the addition of Russell Westbrook, I believe that it's a great move. And I could see a potential championship if Russell Westbrook plays his game and works things out. However, I also could see this thing imploding and not working out at all, but at least the Lakers took a big swing. We'll see if they put the barrel on the ball with this one. So, I also want to talk about Carmelo Anthony. Carmelo Anthony recently just signed a one-year deal with the Los Angeles Lakers. This is a great move for the Lakers because the Los Angeles Lakers desperately needed it some shooting on this roster, okay? And Carmelo Anthony is going to provide that. Of course, you have LeBron, Anthony Davis, and Russell Westbrook. But all those guys primarily get their points in the paint. You need some guys to space out the floor. And Carmelo Anthony is capable of knocking down some mid-range shots and shooting the ball, shooting really good from three-point range. In fact, Carmelo Anthony shot 40% from three-point range this season I think Carmel Anthony, at this point in his career, he knows what he is. He's very comfortable being the 4th or 5th option on a team. He was very good, actually, with the Portland Trailblazers this past year. He was a very good vital piece to the Portland Trailblazers making the playoffs this past year. Obviously, they didn't win a playoff series because they weren't quite as good as Denver and Utah and the Clippers and the Suns. But if Carmel Anthony is your 4th option, then your team is pretty darn talented, okay? At this point in Carmel Anthony's career, he's made all the money that he wants to make. He's got the endorsement deals. He's got the statistics. He's going to potentially go down as a guy that maybe potentially makes it into the 30,000 point club if he plays long enough. He's got the stats. He's got the money, got the shoe deal, got the fame. Everyone knows who he is. He's going to make the Hall of Fame. Carmel Anthony right now is playing to try to win a championship. And it's a one year deal, so we'll see what happens. But, Carmel Anthony has a great chance to win a championship with the Lakers. It'd be really satisfying to see guys like Russell Westbrook and Carmel Anthony win a championship with LeBron James in Los Angeles. So, I think it's a great move for the Lakers. And, Carmel Anthony is a veteran player. He hasn't played in NBA Finals up to this point in his career, but he knows what it takes to win. He's going to hold those guys accountable in the locker room. It's a great fit for the Lakers. And... I'm excited to see how Carmel Anthony fits in with LeBron James, Russell Westbrook, Anthony Davis, and the Los Angeles Lakers going forward. Okay, so I now want to transition to the Detroit Pistons. The Detroit Pistons just recently selected Cade Cunningham out of Oklahoma State with the first overall pick in the 2021 NBA Draft. And I believe that Detroit Pistons fans should feel very, very excited about Kate Cunningham being added to their franchise. I personally believe that Kate Cunningham is the right player to potentially jumpstart change within the Detroit Pistons franchise. Obviously, you're going to need to put talent around Kate Cunningham. The team is not very good right now as a whole, but I do think that with the addition of Kate Cunningham, it speeds up the process of a rebuild in Detroit. And I do think that Kate Cunningham is not just going to be a really good NBA player. I think that he's going to be really, really good, but I think he also has an opportunity to be a game changing player for the Detroit Pistons franchise, and what do I mean by that? You know, in the past, we've seen guys like Blake Griffin get drafted number one overall, and Blake Griffin was really, really good. But was Blake Griffin really a franchise-changing player for the Clippers? I don't think he was necessarily a transcendent franchise-changing player. He was really, really good, but I think that Kate Cunningham is in that tier of really special, really talented players that... If you put that guy on your team, once he fully develops into the player we know he can become, he's going to be one of the most valuable assets in the entire NBA. His ability to shoot, create his own shot, score the basketball, actually defend at a pretty high level. I think that when K. Cunningham puts his mind to defending, he's a, he actually translates to being a pretty good defender at the NBA level. He's long, lengthy, very athletic, very crafty around the basket. Like I say, he can shoot the lights out of the basketball as well. Everything that you look for in a basketball prospect, at least a high-end, number-one overall pick type of prospect, K. Cunningham checks off pretty much all those boxes. The one question you do have about Kay Cunningham is some people question his motor a little bit at Oregon State. I'm sorry, not Oregon State, Oklahoma State, pardon me. But, um... I'm not really too concerned about that. I think that once Kay Cunningham, you know, sort of gets into, you know, NBA locker room and starts to get in the NBA program, he'll pretty, he'll pretty much flip a switch. And there's also a lot of people that have talked about, you know, Kay Cunningham is a first guy in, last guy in, out type of guy. So I think that he has tremendous work ethic. It's just that sometimes, you know, the motor might not have been there. Again, I'm not in the Oklahoma State, uh, locker room. I wasn't around the guy 24 seven, you know, in that locker room. But I think that he he translates to being a really good player. You know, you also have to look at Kay Cunningham's performance in the NCAA tournament this past year, a.k.a. March Madness. He wasn't all that great, I have to admit that, but I don't think that a two-game sample size should be the ultimate defining factor that sinks Kate Cunningham as a prospect. Obviously, he's still with number one overall, so the Detroit Pistons scouting department and coaching staff and organization obviously obviously didn't see a whole lot of red flags in those games. Sure, you would like to see him play better. That is a little bit concerning, but I think overall, those two games do not define Kate Cunningham. I actually think that those two games could really motivate him to get better and really work on his craft and his game, you know. He finally, you know, hit a little bit of adversity. We'll see if he responds, you know. But overall, like I said, I feel really good about K Cunningham. And at Oklahoma State, he did not play with a whole lot of NBA guys. He was able to elevate that team and allow them to get to the NCAA tournament this past year. He was the leader and the driving force of that team. So I think Kate Cunningham, like I said, I'm sold on him. Will he end up being the best player in this draft? Only time will tell. Obviously, you have to pay attention to guys like Jalen Green, who went number two overall to the Houston Rockets. He has a chance to be a really good player. But even if Kate Cunningham doesn't end up being becoming the best player in this draft, I think that he was a very safe pick. I think the Detroit Pistons fans and the Detroit Pistons organization overall, when we look back 10 to 15 years from now, we're going to say this was a really good pick. I think Kate Cunningham could be a really transcendent player in the NBA. I could see him averaging anywhere from 25 to 26, 27 points per game on most of his good seasons once he hits his full stride. I think he's an underrated playmaker and passer, and he potentially could develop into becoming – the best player on a championship team. I think Kate Cunningham has that much star potential. I think he's going to be a really good player. I think the Detroit Pistons should be very excited about Kate Cunningham. I'm very excited to see what he brings to the table. I think as a rookie, he can come in and hold his own in the NBA. I think that he should be amongst one of the favorites to win Rookie of the Year. And I'm very excited to see what Kate Cunningham brings to the table at the NBA level. So recently the, the Phoenix Suns re-signed Chris Paul to a four-year $120 million deal. Now, what this deal tells me is that Chris Paul is going to finish his career with the Phoenix Suns. I'm get, I would I would bet a lot of money on Chris Paul finishing his career in Phoenix. I just see I, I don't see him really going anywhere else, you know, and I think it was the right move for Chris Paul. Um, The Phoenix Suns are a pretty well-run organization. You have a pretty young, talented team that just made a run to the NBA Finals. Obviously coming up short, but you have a really talented team. You know, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, Mikel Bridges, Cameron Payne, a lot of good players. Cam Johnson. It's a pretty talented roster, okay? And where else was Chris Paul going to go? Was he going to go to the Lakers? No. You want to know why? Because they just recently signed Russell Westbrook. They can't afford Chris Paul. Was Chris Paul going to go to the Chicago Bulls? Why would Chris Paul at this point in his career want to go to a rebuilding Chicago Bulls team? Okay, their ceiling is a first-round playoff exit probably. Okay, at this point, Chris Paul wants to compete for a championship. And I think that staying with the Phoenix Suns gives him a decent shot to potentially win a championship before his career is over. Now again, am I going to bet on the Phoenix Suns winning a championship? With Chris Paul, as I speak today right now, probably not, but we'll see what happens, you know, down the road. Maybe they make another move for another superstar player. I will say, if you're the Phoenix Suns, this is a deal that you want to make happen just because Chris Paul, he brings tremendous leadership to that locker room. And while the Phoenix Suns were a very talented roster, they really needed a guy like Chris Paul to bring in leadership and to be the point guard that puts it all together, and he's gonna hold those guys accountable. You know, he's not gonna allow those guys to have success, go through uh, the backside of their head. You know, he's gonna hold those guys accountable. And Chris Paul is 36 years old; he'll be 40 years old by the end of the deal. I understand that the Phoenix Suns kind of overpaid for Chris Paul, but if you want to win a championship, sometimes you gotta overpay for players. And in the next two to three or four seasons, if the Phoenix Suns win a championship and Chris Paul is a big part of that, the deal was worth it. Okay, So this is a move you, that you just pretty much have to make and you live with the results. We'll see what Chris Paul does for potentially the rest of his career with the Phoenix Suns. Okay, everyone, I'm going to take a short break. When I return, I will talk about the current state of the quarterback position for the Indianapolis Colts. You got Jacob Eason and Sam Ellinger battling it out potentially to be The next Indianapolis Colts franchise quarterback, if Carson Wentz is hurt, we'll talk about those two players. We'll also talk about Ben Simmons, and then we will end the show. Don't go anywhere, people. I will be right back. This is Jamon McKinney, and you're listening to The Juice Okay, everyone, I am back. And I want to talk about Jacob Beeson. Jacob Beeson, if you don't know who he is, he is a quarterback that currently plays for the Indianapolis Colts. He was a fourth-round pick in the 2020 NFL Draft. The quarterbacks that were drafted ahead of him were Joe Burrow, Tua Tungamaloa, Justin Herbert, Jordan Love, and Jalen Hurts. Now, I'm very intrigued by Jacob Eason. If you don't know who Jacob Eason is, like I said, he's a former college quarterback that was drafted by the Colts. I felt that as a prospect, he was much more underrated than overrated. You know, I saw this guy making incredible throws at Washington, this big, strong quarterback named Jacob Eason. I I said to myself, why are not more people talking about him? I know Tua, you know, is a good player. I know Justin Herbert has a lot of talent. I know Joe Burrow's great, but we might need to start talking about Jacob Eason because if this guy lands with a really good team, he could really become a pretty good franchise quarterback. I, I truly believe that when I was scouting him coming out of Washington. If you don't know Jacob Beeson, he did he did start his college football career at Georgia. He did have to transfer away to Washington just because he got hurt at Georgia. Then he lost his starting job to Jake Fromm. Okay, and so I want to talk about Jacob Beeson, kind of what I think he could bring to the table for the Colts. And potentially if he's their future franchise quarterback, you know? Um, look, when you look at Jacob Beeson, there's a lot to like with this guy. Okay. He has elite size and elite arm strength. Jacob Beeson is six foot six, 231 pounds, and he has an absolute cannon for an arm. His arm strength is off the charts. If you're just talking about from an arm strength perspective, from just how powerful your arm is. I can make the argument right now that Jacob Eason has one of the five most powerful and strongest arms right now today in the NFL. I'm not saying he's a top five quarterback, but just from a talent perspective, based on the throws he can make, the how much power and how much torque he can create with his arm, his ability to throw the deep ball, it's off the charts, okay? He can make a lot of big plays, and Jacob Eason right now today is only 23 years old, And you're not paying Jacob Eason hardly any money. Based on quarterbacks and their salaries today, Jacob Eason is dirt cheap because he's a fourth-round pick. It's kind of like a. there's a little bit of a Dak Prescott quality here where Dak Prescott was a fourth-round pick in the Cowboys. We're getting discounts for years and years. That's why I didn't understand why they were so hesitant to pay him because, well, you begin to discount for the last four to five seasons, Dallas. You know what I'm saying? But if Jacob Eason pans out, I could see the potentially the Colts moving on from moving on from Carson Wentz because you're paying Jacob Eason not a whole lot of money that allows you flexibility to go out there and trade for star players and acquire free agents and be aggressive when you're paying a guy like you know Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson or even Josh Allen that was getting paid a ton of money it it kind of you know, limits what you can do in free agency at times. However, we have seen teams work around the cap situation and things like that. Now, Jacob Beeson, he's in his second year in the Indianapolis Colts offensive system. And I said that when he was coming out of college, he has a chance to really soak in some information and learn from Philip Rivers, a guy that potentially could be a Hall of Fame quarterback one day. And the things you heard about Jacob Beeson coming out of Georgia and Washington was... His work ethic was a little bit questionable. So, hopefully, Jacob Beeson has learned from his days at Washington and at Georgia where he maybe didn't study the playbook as much, kind of just got away with his talent because there's a real opportunity for this guy to potentially be the starting quarterback of the future for the Colts if Carson wins is hurt and if he plays well, okay? Because here's the thing if he balls out, I think the Colts will go with him because he's on that rookie contract, okay? Now, when it comes to Jacob Eason, the things that you worry about, he was a fourth-round pick. So, look, I thought that Jacob Eason had first-round talent and should have gone anywhere from late first round to early second round based on what he showed in college, but he dropped to the fourth round. Again, there are a lot of people that you know watch a whole lot of tape, a lot more tape than me, that are much more informed about what it, what a really good franchise quarterback looks like. I'm willing to admit that. There are some people out there, when it comes to quarterbacks, they're a little bit more smarter than me, okay? And for some reason, the talent evaluators and the people making the draft picks said Jacob Eason, eh, not ready to quite be a franchise quarterback right now. He's going to be a fourth round pick. And the Colts snagged him up. And Jacob Eason only had one great year at college. Like, his freshman year at Georgia was okay. And then he obviously has to transfer away to Washington his junior year at Washington was really good, but he was only great in college for one year. And he got beat out by Jake Fromm in Georgia. And if you get beat out initially by a guy like Jake Fromm in college, and you only have one great college, great year in college, I can kind of understand wh- why NFL teams are a little bit scared off. And Jacob Eason also isn't the most mobile guy You know, he's not going to run away from defenders like uh, Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson, even Lamar Jackson. He doesn't have that get out of jail free card that a Justin Fields, you know, has or potentially a Kyler Murray has, you know. So he's going to have to win from within the pocket. And sometimes what we see from young quarterbacks is if they don't know the playbook that well and they're not great at dissecting defenses early in their career, if you're not able to protect them, then they're kind of out there as toast because they're not able to process information quickly and they can't evade the rush like a Kyler Murray, like a Justin Fields, because let's be real. Kyler Murray, his rookie year, he wasn't great at reading defenses, but because he was able to move around and scramble and make plays, he was just kind of making stuff up on the fly. And while Jacob Eason does have a powerful arm, at times, when he's moved off a spot, things got rocky at Washington and at Georgia. And I also think that Jacob Eason could use some work as far as throwing with anticipation and throwing the ball with touch down the field and reading defenses. And the and the reality about Jacob Eason is he now has to develop very fast because Carson Wentz is hurt and there's really no one else on the roster that the Colts have other than maybe Sam Ellinger. Maybe they trade for Nick Foles, but I think Jacob Eason has to grow up pretty fast. So. I think Jacob Eason has a shot. If he really hones in that playbook and the Colts design their offense around his skill set and they're able to protect him and run the football effectively, I think Jacob Beeson has a shot. But we shall see. Only time will tell. So, when it comes to Sam Ellinger, a lot of people really haven't been talking about him for a while. You know, Sam Ellinger, if you don't know who he is, he's currently listed as the second string quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts behind Jacob Eason, who was a former fourth-round pick last year. And obviously, Carson Wentz right now is hurt. So, because that's the case, that leaves a spot open for either Jacob Eason or Sam Ellinger to potentially take the reins as the next Colts franchise quarterback, okay? Now, Sam Ellinger played four years at Texas, so he's got a lot of experience, and he was a six-round pick this past year in the draft, and he was actually, ironically, the last quarterback taken in that draft. The quarterbacks taken ahead of him were Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, Mac Jones, Kyle Trask, Kellen Mond, Davis Mills. And EM books. That's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Nine. That's nine quarterbacks taken ahead of him. He was the tenth quarterback drafted in his draft class. And everyone is kind of writing Sam Mellinger off. And I kind of have as well because, you know, when I rate quarterbacks coming out coming into the coming into the NFL, you know, in the draft, you know, I only I only rank the top five guys. I don't spend my time looking at, you know, 10 to 12, 15 quarterbacks, because the reality is. You'd be lucky to have four guys hit as franchise quarterbacks in a draft. You'd be super lucky. Sometimes only one to two quarterbacks hit in a draft. Okay? So I don't want to spend all my time looking at these quarterbacks because the reality is not everyone's going to make it. But a lot of people also wrote off Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, Dak Prescott in college. Guys that were pretty good in college that were, for whatever reason, looked over. And passed upon for really odd reasons. Russell Wilson because of his height. You know, Tom Brady because he's not the greatest athlete in the world. And Dak Prescott because he has a he had a limited skill set coming into the NFL. You know? But those guys worked their tails off and eventually became really good franchise quarterbacks. Russell Wilson's won a Super Bowl. Tom Brady's won a Super Bowl. He's the greatest quarterback of all time, has won seven championships. Dak Prescott's really good. So I don't have high expectations for Sam Ellinger, but maybe Sam Ellinger surprises me. Maybe he surprises a lot of people because here's the thing. The good things about Sam Ellinger coming out of Texas was he was a really good decision maker. He really turned the football over. That was mainly because of his good decision making. He does have a fairly strong arm. It's a good NFL arm. Not a great arm, but it's a good arm. He can make most of the throws, but where Sam Ellinger really struggles is with ball placement and accuracy down the field. And because Sam Ellinger is in this incredibly super athletic and gifted quarterback, like a Cam Newton, like a Deshaun Watson, like a Patrick Mahomes, like an Aaron Rodgers, his margin for error can't be that high. He has to be really good with his ball placement and accuracy. And at times, I just saw that being way too inconsistent at Texas. He also relied on his legs way too much at Texas. Like, I understand if you're a guy like Kyler Murray or Lamar Jackson, you're going to run the football. But those guys, what makes them special is they are—they have the ability to beat you within the pocket. Kyler Murray has one of the best arms in the entire NFL. Lamar Jackson, the year he won the league MVP, he led the NFL in touchdown passes. He's a pretty good pocket passer. Sam Ellinger he still needs to to develop as a pure pocket passer. I think Sam Ellinger is very scheme dependent. I don't trust him to make enough throws to potentially be a long-term franchise quarterback. See, you can probably win games in a short spurt with Sam Ellinger. Like, for example, Tim Tebow won games in the NFL. The problem is what Tim Tebow was doing did not last in the NFL. Same thing with Taysom Hill. The Saints are winning games with him he's not going to last for 10 years. I highly doubt that, okay? Now, where Sam Ellinger can overcome the odds is with his leadership and incredible work ethic, okay? Because the things you hear about Sam Ellinger is he's a great teammate, a captain, a great leader, and he has an unbelievable work ethic. And the jumps that he made in college were pretty significant. From his freshman year to his final season at Texas, He's a much better quarterback, so you see this guy is willing to put in the work. The only question is, is he talented enough, and does he have ice water in his veins? Does he have that special, you know, it factor in leadership to overcome some things, you know? And I will also say that Sam Ellinger played four full seasons of college football. That's huge, because we saw Justin Herbert play four full years at Oregon and absolutely light the NFL on fire, because... He got that experience. There's something to be said for having four years of college experience as a quarterback. Experience is everything. We saw a guy like Dwayne Haskins, who was super talented coming out of Ohio State, kind of fall in his face in Washington because, well, you only had about 13 to 14 college starts. He was just raw. He was a puppy. He wasn't ready to, you know, dissect NFL defenses or take over a franchise. Wasn't mature enough. With Sam Ellinger, And, again, we'll see what Dwayne Haskins does in Pittsburgh. I think he can turn his career around. But when it comes to Sam Ellinger, I think he has a chance to surprise some people, okay, if he puts in the work, okay? I'm not going to bet on him. I'm not going to say he's the next franchise quarterback because I have my questions. I didn't really think he was worth a high draft pick coming out of college. But he has four years of college experience. Jacob Eason only had one great year in college. That matters. And we saw Jacob Eason lose his starting job at Georgia because of his lack of work ethic. It wasn't because of his lack of arm strength or lack of talent because if you just look at Jacob Eason compared to Sam Ellinger, I think Jacob Eason is the much more talented quarterback. It's not even close. But if Sam Ellinger can do do the little things, maybe he passes a guy like Carson Wentz or Jacob Eason on the Colts' depth chart. We'll see what happens. He does have good players around him. I'm interested to see what Sam Ellinger potentially brings to the table in the preseason and potentially for the future of the Colts if he gets a shot. So let me now shift to Ben Simmons. So Ben Simmons is a former number one overall pick. And he's a guy that recently has been in the news for all the wrong reasons. You know, the Philadelphia 76ers, the team that Ben Simmons was drafted to and the team he currently plays for, they had high expectations this past year in 2021. In fact, they actually had the number one seed in the Eastern Conference this past year heading into the playoffs, one of the best records in the entire NBA. A lot of people thought they could make a run to the NBA Finals. And unfortunately, they had a disappointing loss in the second round to the Atlanta Hawks, a team that came out of nowhere. And some people felt the Hawks had no business beating the Philadelphia 76ers. And mainly a big reason why the 76ers lost that series is because of what Ben Simmons was not doing or was incapable of doing as the Philadelphia 76ers starting point guard. I've always said from the jump, Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, they're an odd fit. They're not a great fit together. Ben Simmons isn't a great shooter. Both he and Joel Embiid need to dominate inside the paint to get their points. And once you put Ben Simmons inside the paint, you stretch Joel Embiid out to being a three-point shooter. Same thing with Embiid. If he's in the paint, Simmons is a liability from the perimeter, you know. And let's be real. Trey Young vastly outperformed Ben Simmons in the playoffs. He took him to school. And Ben Simmons is known for his great defense, okay? At least what we thought he was as a defender. And he got taken to school by um, Trey Young, which was not good. And Ben Simmons offensively was timid. He was a huge liability. He wouldn't shoot the basketball. He wasn't aggressive. He wasn't making shots. And he was horrible from the free throw line. Ben Simmons shot in the playoffs this past year 34%. From free throw range. 34%. There are preschoolers that play at their local YMCA basketball club or team. That shoot a better free throw percentage in games than Ben Simmons. Who is a professional basketball player. It's awful. It was all time bad. And next year will be Ben Simmons' fifth year in the NBA. And it will be really a sixth year if you count the year in which he was injured, but he didn't play that year. So fifth, sixth year. We're five, six years in. That's the bottom line. And Ben Simmons was the rookie of the year, his rookie season. But since then, he just hasn't been progressing. And the reality is Ben Simmons is a massive disappointment as a former number one overall pick. And you can make the argument right now today that Ben Simmons is a bust. Now, I'm not going to say he's a bust because he did win Rookie of the Year and he is a pretty solid defender. He's a decent passer. He's not a god awful player. There is some talent there. But the sad part is a lot of people point to the reason why Ben Simmons has not progressed is because they believe it's due to him being lazy and not putting in the work. And it's so sad when a guy that has all the talent in the world just doesn't put in the work. It'd be one thing if Ben Simmons was, I don't know, Anthony Bennett. Okay? We everyone knew. I would say 85 to 90% of NBA fans knew that Anthony Bennett was just not talented enough to be the first overall pick of the NBA draft to the Cleveland Cavaliers. A lot of people saw him him becoming a bust because he was just in over his head. He wasn't talented enough. He should have never been drafted with the first overall pick. Meanwhile, you look at you look at a guy like Ben Simmons. He has long, lengthy arms. He's super athletic. Six-foot-ten point guard. He has all the physical tools in the world to become a, a really good NBA player. And apparently there are reports that he just likes to party. He's a last-guy-in, first-guy-out type of guy. He's hanging out with the Kardashians, you know, all the time. And it's really sad because you look at guys like Giannis Antetokounmpo, who continue to get better and better every single season. Giannis, he went from like a six-point-per-game score his rookie year to an NBA champion within a matter of five to seven seasons. Russell Westbrook, his rookie year to what he is now, whole different player. Kawhi Leonard, he has, he has taken... Leaps that have been tremendous. Anthony Edwards was getting better and better every single game as a rookie. Every single game. It seems like Anthony Edwards was getting better and better. Chris Middleton developed into a really good player on a championship team. He was a role player to start his career. There are no excuses for Ben Simmons. And if Ben Simmons has some type of condition where his body doesn't function right or a medical condition, then. God bless you, Ben Simmons. I'm sorry for, you know, making this segment right here. But there's been no reports that Ben Simmons has any disabilities, has any physical limitations. It seems like the guy is good to go. He's fully healthy. And he just hasn't been putting in the work. Ben Simmons is a massive disappointment. There were some people that literally came out and said, Ben Simmons could potentially be the next LeBron James And boy, oh boy, are those people wrong today. I was never a huge Ben Simmons fan, but again, I don't know what's happening to him. He just hasn't been progressing. And right now, today, Ben Simmons is a borderline bust, and he's a disappointment as a a number one overall pick um, so far. You know, many people thought Ben Simmons was going to get moved on draft night, okay? And... What I mean by that is the Philadelphia 76ers were looking to trade away Ben Simmons, potentially on draft night. And the reality is that the interest in Ben Simmons right now today is not that high amongst NBA teams. And, you know, once the Philadelphia 76ers lost in the playoffs, and everyone, and everyone saw how bad Ben Simmons was playing, everyone rushed to Twitter And said, Oh, you gotta trade Ben Simmons. It's not working. Bad fit. And you know, my takeaway from everyone going crazy on Twitter is this. Where have you guys been? How come we are just now coming to this conclusion? I've been arguing for years, at least the last, at at least the past year or so. I've been arguing for at least over a year that the Philadelphia 76ers need to trade Ben Simmons. While he still has value. Okay. I've been saying that for the past year. I said that Ben Simmons was a bad fit with Joel Embiid. He's not really a grinder. Isn't really a guy that likes to to put in a whole lot of work in the offseason. He'd rather just be chilling by the pool with the Kardashians. It's just not a great fit in Philadelphia. They need more shooting. Trade Ben Simmons while he still has value. But. Now everyone is realizing what I realized, that Ben Simmons isn't that guy. He doesn't have that it factor. He's an overrated player. And the reality is it might already be too late for the Philadelphia 76ers to trade away Ben Simmons. What team is going to give up multiple first-round picks or an all-star caliber player right now for Ben Simmons? That team doesn't exist. And if they do exist, whoever's the general manager of that team, they need to be questioned or potentially fired, okay? Who wants a bad shooter and a guy that's not really much of a scorer and a guy that's reportedly lazy and that doesn't want to work out and put in the work and get the most out of his body in the offseason? The reality is Ben Simmons has lost his value, and there are hardly any teams that are interested in him in him anymore. So I don't understand why Philadelphia has waited this long to put Ben Simmons on the trading block. But, hey, it's it's never too late to do the right thing. You know what I'm saying? The old saying is it's never too late to do the right thing. You know, so there's going to be a team that potentially takes Ben Simmons. But Philadelphia could have got a whole lot more value for the guy a long time ago. And the reality is, in my opinion, it might be a little too late to trade Ben Simmons. But you still can do the right thing in the end. But you will have to... Do with a sour glass of wine. You know what I'm saying? That's how I feel, though. And last but not least, I'm going to end the show by talking about Ben Simmons regarding this. You know, people threw out the fact that the Golden State Warriors should be amongst the favorites to sign. Well, I should say to trade for Ben Simmons. And I understand it to a certain degree because... You look at Ben Simmons, his versatility defensively, his long, lengthy size, and his ability to pass could really benefit Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Steve Kerr, and the Golden State Warriors. He's a pretty talented player, and I think he fits what they need to do from a talent perspective. He could be a, a nice addition, but if I'm a Warriors fan, I'm looking at my team, man. I'm looking at Steph Curry. I'm looking at Klay Thompson. I'm looking at Andrew Wiggins. I'm looking at Jordan Poole. I'm looking at Draymond Green along with other pretty good players. I'm thinking to myself, I could win a championship with this team, potentially. Maybe we're not the favorites, but we'll be in the championship picture. It wouldn't completely shock me if Golden State finds themselves in the NBA Finals. I think right now, they're right up there with the Nuggets and the Lakers in the West right now, amongst the best teams. But if I'm a Warriors fan, why would, why would I desperately want this team to trade for Ben Simmons? If I'm a Warriors fan, why would I want that? If I'm any team, why would I want Ben Simmons on my roster? Because here's the thing. Let's just stick to the Golden State point. The Golden State Warriors have built a championship culture, a great culture. And it's all about hard work, grinding, and putting in the work and the time, and doing the little things right. And Ben Simmons, he doesn't exemplify that culture. He just doesn't. And you might say, well, what about Steve Kerr? Steve Kerr can get the most out of Ben Simmons. We just saw Ben Simmons with Doc Rivers in Philadelphia. And say what you want about Doc Rivers, if he's an overrated coach or not. Doc Rivers is an NBA champion as a head coach, and he gets the most out of his players. Okay, Joel B just had an MVP level season playing. playing for Doc Rivers. And Ben Simmons, he regressed under a very good head coach. So what makes you think Steve Kerr is going to bring the most out of Ben Simmons? I don't get it. And why would you mess up the culture or mess up the camaraderie of of the team for an asset that you don't need? Why would you trade extra picks for a guy that is not going to make a super duper big impact? I'm sorry, but Ben Simmons isn't going to put the Warriors over the top. He's not going to put the Nuggets over the top. He's not going to put the Nets over the top. He's not going to be super impactful for any team. Unless he changes his ways and puts in the work in this offseason. And again, I don't trust him to do that. Because I never thought Ben Simmons was all that great of a prospect in the first place. He just doesn't have that it factor to me. So why should any team trade for Ben Simmons? He's not a great shooter. He's not a great leader. We've seen him flame out in the playoffs. Not a great free throw shooter. He doesn't put in the work. He's lazy and he's a disappointment as a first overall pick. I don't understand it. I don't see it. I don't understand why there's so much hype surrounding Ben Simmons. My, if I were an NFL general manager, NBA, pardon me, if I were an NBA general manager, I would not trade for Ben Simmons. It just doesn't make sense right now. Well, everyone, that's pretty much all I have today. Thank you so much. For tuning in this episode today, have a God-blessed day, stay safe, and I'm Ghost. Thank you so much for watching this video today. Please also note that the Juicelert Sports Podcast is not just a YouTube channel. It is available on all podcasting platforms, including Spotify, Google Podcasts, iTunes, and Apple Podcasts. Also, if you enjoyed this video, be sure to like, comment, subscribe, and share this content with all your friends. This podcast is my favorite thing in the entire world right now. It is my passion. I want more people to listen to this podcast. I really want this podcast to grow. Also, a fun fact about me is that I want to go into the sports broadcasting and media world once I graduate from the University of Toledo, a college in Northern Ohio. I am looking to become one of the next great sports broadcasters and analysts out in the world. And I potentially would like to start my own network if this podcast really, truly grows. Or if I fall short of that goal, I would love to work for a big-time network like ESPN or Fox Sports 1. I am open to all networks. So if you believe in my dreams and you see or hear my passion through the screen, be sure to tell all your friends about the Juice Lert Sports Podcast. Stay motivated, you guys. Have a God-blessed day, and I'm out. Peace.